Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Hey everyone, this is Connor. Welcome back to Podside Picnic. And as usual, I'm here with my esteemed co-host, Pete. Hey guys. Hey. Uh, today, we're going to be reviewing a movie that I'll preface by saying I don't think that it quite qualifies as science fiction. It definitely qualifies as speculative fiction, whatever that term means. Uh, and that movie is Us, written and directed by Jordan Peele of Get Out fame. Um... And I want to warn everyone before we dive in here, we're planning to go hard on spoilers. We're not going to hold back. So if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want it spoiled, pause, go see the movie, which I'd recommend, but Pete might not, but go see the movie (laughs) if you care about these things and come back because we're going to spoil it for you. And on that note, I know that Pete and I do not agree about this movie. We do not. We do not at all. We texted about it last night, actually. And uh, I want to hear from Pete. Pete, why didn't you like this movie very much? Well, okay, first let me say that there were a lot of things that I did like about the movie. So, uh, like, I thought I, I, we, could, we could talk a lot about the things that were positive, but I think fundamentally me doing that is not very interesting because there were some things that I disliked so much that it seemed that you did like that it's, it's going to be a lot more productive to explore that ground. Um, the, like, for example, like, you can make a good, very, very good case that this was a Twilight Zone style movie, like The Sixth Sense or something like that. And I didn't mind that part. I mean, is, is, it, is it the most sophisticated choice a director can make? I don't know, and who cares? Because it was a good twist, it was effectively handled, and they built up to it well. What I didn't like was the basement. So, yeah, we're going to spoiler country, folks. It turns... So, the whole movie is an allegory, and it is... It is an allegory, and actually, I think we can... Or is it an allegory? Sorry, keep going, but... (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you you could make an argument that this film is about immigration. You can make an argument that this film is about class and class warfare, uh, but the exp- it's also a story about duplicate people that show up. And like if you're going to build an allegory and if you're as good as Jordan Peele is, I expect your film to work on both levels. Like I want to see a functioning allegory that goes where you want it to go. And I expect to see a functioning story that tracks. And fundamentally, you go down to that basement and there are the clones. Maybe that's set up by the government. Maybe it's not. Um, There was one piece of foreshadowing where they were talking about uh, 
Oh, come on, help me out. Fluoride in the water within the first 10 minutes, they drop that one reference and that's it. Um, it wasn't adequate to me because when you piece together the story of what's going on in that basement, it doesn't track. It doesn't make any sense because you don't know why those people are still in there. Like you, you don't know how it started. You don't know who to blame. And as we, it may be in our allegory and we'll get there. If on the level that it isn't an allegory and it's just a story, it doesn't function as a story. If you flip it and you say, okay, wait, okay, this is an allegory, Pete. It's not a story about clones and crap. It's a story about um, how we can't get along or how the enemy is us or that sort of thing. Well, on that level, I'm kind of pissed off at it too, to be honest, because if you're looking at what's going on with that uh, that basement there there's a hint that somebody is responsible and you never find who that is and there's no grappling with who that is and i think any clear discussion about immigration or class or any of these things fundamentally needs to be a discussion about how this happened and what we can do about it and i don't feel like the film grappled with those things uh, and I and I I know it's like other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. How was the play? I feel like I'm really about to damn it with praise, but uh, like I would watch the movie again. There were a lot of things about it that I liked, and I felt like where Jordan Peele was trying to go with this movie was incredible. I just don't think he made it all the way. Uh, I think I've been monologuing for a long time. To quote a friend of mine, <laughs> so. Uh, shall I, do you want to, uh, take your part? I can ask you a question, Connor. I will, I'm happy to just respond to what you said. I want to respond first of all by saying that I will actually concede many of your points and I wouldn't, I would just interpret them or value them differently. For instance, you're totally right, uh, that this movie does not want to explain itself. The backstory, cause and effect, a kind of progression of how we got to where we are is left out, um, very it is very abbreviated. It's very cryptic. It's like she says, you know, humans created this place, this basement, this un- subterranean world, um, and you go down into it finally after learning that these, that these doppelgangers that apparently exist for every person as a doppelganger, at least in the U.S., uh, in these thousands of miles of unused tunnels that the the text, whatever you call the text, before the movie starts tells us about, which is creepy to know that there's that many tunnels in the U.S. to begin with, but. Um, Okay, so all that's true. It does not explain itself very well. In that sense, it is true that it does not make sense. Um, and I think that there are actually probably a lot of flaws, arguable flaws, that I don't necessarily think, think, think of as flaws, but there are lots more things that Pete could have said and probably will get to. But uh, this is all me building up to saying some of those aspects of the movie are why I liked it so much. And it is, a, it is complicated to talk about this without getting extremely academic, so you're going to have to forgive me here for a moment, folks. But the word identity is very powerful in our culture right now. It's most often appended to identity politics. And what we mean by that broadly is a politics in which identifying as a member of a demographic group is seen as an important... It seems one of the most important or the dominant nodes of how you're going to do politics, how you're going to not just do politics in an active sense, but how you're going to relate to the world. And that's sort of that your heuristic becomes a sense of identity and identities. And I want to go back 
longer before that and say, what does identity mean at the most basic literal level? It, it, it means sameness, right? It means A is identical to A. Connor Southerd is identical to Connor Southerd. Uh, and so this is a movie about identity, much like Get Out. So Get Out, of course, famously is a very innovative horror story about race. It's very overtly about race in the United States. It's about the minutia of race and social interactions and also a broader allegory for systemic racism and the history of enslavement. And that's all there in a really brilliant way. So, And I feel like it succeeded in the ways that this movie failed. Just as an interjection, I'll step back now. Oh no! I think I, I, I think that it succeeded in a different way. I think that it yeah, it's it's a wildly it's a, it's a fantastic movie. I think it'll be a lasting movie. We can talk about that all day. Uh, what is going on here? It's it's tough to get into the meat of it, but it's like identity is both. So in our culture, we know that identity is about demographic groupings and how those are deployed politically in different ways. Uh, and Get Out was held up as an example of a film that handles identity in a particularly interesting way. And this movie is going to a more abstract, more conceptual place of identity because you have doppelgangers that you are literally identical to. So identity functions with there is a one-to-one identical person for each of us, right? Identity at that level. Um, and they are just the same as you. And I think this is where this is where the film, I think, made some of the most radical possible choices, right? This person that shows up, this doppelganger, they are physically the same as you, and they have kind of, we're, we're led to believe in, in a somewhat confusing and, and arguably incoherent way. That's probably why Pete's going to object. Uh, they kind of have been shadowing you your whole life. They're certainly aware of you. They're subterranean. They're down there. It's unclear. This is, again, there's a lot of ambiguity in this movie. It's unclear whether they are mimicking your movements in their subterranean world or whether they are helping guide your movements. And I think it's kind of almost both. It's this recursive thing where you reproduce your doppelganger and vice versa. And this gets to why I think it's so interesting because you have a doppelganger that shows up and when they first show up, and again, this is in the context of a movie where the characters were introduced initially are a black family uh, and we know we've seen Get Out. So we know Jordan Peele is very interested in race and doing going interesting places with race. And this black family, um, you know, there's some foreshadow, some flashbacks initially with the mom played by Lupita Nyong'o who met her doppelganger at one point back in the 80s on this boardwalk. The family's going back to the same location, classic horror movie trope. You're going back to some place that 30 years earlier you had this trauma. And then the doppelgangers do show up pretty quickly, and they are a family that mimics the same. They're exactly the same as the the family, Lupita Nyong'o's now family, where she has two kids and a husband. And there's a one-to-one doppelganger correspondence. And they show up, and they're wearing essentially red prison jumpsuits, right? So they're like... They look like incarcerated people. They look like a lower, a, a rougher, lower class version of these exact same people, played by the same actors, of course, uh, in prison jumpsuits. And one of the first things they do is shackle Lupita Nyong'o to the, to the table, literally take out prison shackles and chain her up. And it's like, all right, well, we are certainly going to very overt things with race and uh, and all kinds of violence and the carceral state. And it's like, it's all right there immediately. It's so literal that it's like, it's almost not even an allegory. <laughs> That's the interesting about the movie. It's like, is it an allegory? Isn't it? I'm sorry, Pete, that I'm going for so long, but I, this is a complicated point. I just have to make, get to my, the meat of my point, which is what this movie does is it introduces us to an identity with the other. There is an other who is distinctly different from you who can be viewed and must be viewed, I think, as an uh, literal underclass because they come from the subterranean place and they are rougher hewn and have had rougher, tougher lives than you. 
Uh, they must be viewed as a member of a specific underclass, even as they are identical to you. That you are identical to this other. And the concept of the other, of course, is really important to Hegel. It's important to critical theory after Hegel generally. And, and because it's in Hegel, it's very important to Marx. We're getting sort of the conceptual, the conceptual basis of how we think about ideas about justice, about hierarchy, broader more abstract theories of politics over the last 160 years. But what I want to say yeah, you, is... You were writing a hell of a check on this, Connor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that I can fully cash it, though, Pete, is the thing. But I guess what I'm saying is this... The thing that we... And I, I'm paraphrasing from a lot of different theorists here. But the thing, the arguable thing that we fear about the other, whether it's like you live in the U.S., you're a white American, you know, you're going to have different groups othered for you as in treated as not your exact equal as a human being ethically. You're, you're told in our society that you're not supposed to see someone living in Raqqa, Syria under ISIS rule as exactly human and you see, as you. And what is the utility of that? It's because ethically that allows you to then drop a bomb on them. All right. So we know what the other is, right? The other is the underclass. The other is the thing you don't want to be. And we know that this, this thing you don't want to be is used against people. Like the history of race, the invention of race as we know it, is the invention of tiered otherings where you can always control one group by triggering its fear of an other group below it, right? And I think what is so fascinating about this movie is it ultimately, I think that a lot of the racial stuff is actually fairly a faint. I think that the class stuff is kind of unavoidable because, again, this is a literal underclass that's rising up and having something of a revolution. Although they're not really seizing power. They're just demonstrating, which is another, again, a weird commentary on power. But they're, they're murdering and demonstrating. But I have never seen a piece of art. Well, I shouldn't say never. I have so rarely seen a piece of art that takes on the fundamental problem of having an other and takes the banal reality of a class society where you have a definite subset of others, maybe chopped up into different identity categories. You have lower class whites, you have lower class blacks, and how you relate, how you relate to both of those. If you're a bourgeois white person, they're both othered for you in our society, and you relate to them differently nonetheless, and there's a totally different history, but they're both an, a version of another. This, this takes, again, identity with the other. The other is right there. It's confronting you. And what it does is it stages the Rococo insanity of the class society based on otherization that we treat as mundane and normal. And it makes the, the sheer insanity of living in a world where you're just told to accept that others are other as opposed to the other being identical to you, as opposed to identity with the other. It, it makes that insanity brutal and violent and in your face in a way I'm not sure I've ever seen. That was a very long spiel. Thanks for bearing with me, everyone. That's what I liked about this movie. It is a radical movie in that way. Rejoinder. Okay, Please. let's uh, arguendo. Let's say that the movie does everything you're saying and succeeds on all the level that Jordan is is attempting to do. Once again, I'm talking about Jordan like we're old friends, but uh, he never does anything with it, man. I mean, how is the conflict resolved? They kill the other family. I, and they go hide in an ambulance? Like, it doesn't grapple with the central cho choice, which is what the hell you do once you acknowledge this fact. I, I disagree with you, and the reason I disagree is because of the twist ending. And the twist ending, again, spoilers, we already spoiled a bunch here, folks, but this is the main spoiler. It turns out that Lupita Nyong'o, who has been the above-ground, you know, non-other person this whole time, it turns out that when she met her doppelganger as a kid— 
doppelganger kidnapped her and they switched places and the doppelganger then lived out her above ground life. And so the mom of this family, as we know her, has been the doppelganger, the other, this whole time. And that is revealed right at the very end. Okay. And what is interesting about that is that it, it's profoundly important to the story. And it also, I think what's radical and, and makes it so unsettling is, does it really matter? Because it collapses this distinction between you and the other completely. It's like, why does that even matter? She's lived out above ground. She's had this whole saga, both prior to this, the events of this movie and during them. Does it, to me, the question being begged is, why would it even matter if she's from the underclass? We're meant to be scared by that, but what I find scary about it is being forced to confront the fact that I find it scary. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but I mean, fundamentally, like if you pull a lot of the trappings of this movie away, um, there are no good guys. Like the, the people underground are clearly victims in a horrific way. And they respond to it to try to by trying to murder everybody topside, and then they and then the, the people topside who defend themselves hide out in a car. Like it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. Like I hear what you're saying uh, in, in terms of like this person switched classes, if you will. I like the best the best way for me to grapple with this allegory is to think about immigration. And there, I started doing that when she chained she chained uh uh what do they call her? Adelaide to the table when Red did that uh, and said, We are Americans. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> well and it ties in so well because like what all these people start doing after they commit murder and they move in is like they they literally start doing hands across America. And so it's like on some level, it's grappling with that fear of immigration. Well, I, I should not read this as an immigrant narrative at all, which is why I'm so interested that you're, you're going for that immediately. I thought that it was that the sort of um, the, the history of race among people who've been in the U.S. for multi-generations was more obviously on the surface. And then I thought it just became a class allegory. And then I thought it became about the category of other entirely and how to fully collapse that distinction and to acknowledge the brutality of the distinction. So why did you see his immigration? I'm asking you, why did you see that? Well, I, I saw that because the, uh, the, the, it was fear of being replaced. It was fear of having everything taken away from you. The call out specifically that the, the people who came up from below regarded themselves as Americans and at the end did a celebration essentially of their Americanness by doing that hands across the world thing. Like and and the carceral state throughout all this did nothing, didn't interfere with the actions of the uh, the people from below at all. Well, they I don't think I think we're meant to believe the state didn't really have a chance to respond because suddenly there were hundreds of millions of people stabbing everybody they could find <laughs> across the country. And it seems like if the state did mount a response at the end, we see helicopters hovering over this chain of people. So there was some kind of response at some point. But I think that that. I find it believable just as in a zombie outbreak scenario, essentially, that the state was not able to mount an effective response. And oh, man, I, think I this don't. Is, <laughs> this is really interesting, and I'm not I, – I promise you that I'm not trying to cancel you, but I, I think that we maybe look at immigration a little bit differently here because I saw the stakes – or maybe we don't. That's not a fair statement. But I didn't see the stakes of them saying we're Americans as being all about American citizenship. I thought it was a joke about like I – th- I thought it was more you know, the other direction of saying we've been here all along too – 
Now that we came here, not that we're declaring we're Americans, we're just li- not not that we want to be Americans. It's that we are Americans, right? Which is more more concordant with the African American experience of being in the country for generations and having been othered in very in various ways, some of which are unimaginably brutal for that entire span. That was it was more about the, and again, it's it's very much a non-specific thing about othering because it ultimately is not. This is not a movie that's about race as much as I thought it might be. Uh, yeah. I thought, based on the trailers, you know what I thought was going to happen based on the trailers? I thought that the doppelgangers were going to go out into the world and commit crimes for which this family would be blamed. That's what I uh, thought was coming. Okay. So, like, let, let's let's examine this for a second. Like, one of the things that made me land on immigration as, like, one of the foci of this allegory was that hand across America stuff. Because without it, it just sort of... I ended up liking that more when I settled on immigration because it made more sense in context. So, like, what did you think of that? Uh, A couple of things. I thought that actually that was a joke. This might be a generational difference, honestly, because uh, I think Peel is, gosh, is he right around 40? He's kind of like halfway between our ages. He's right on that millennial Gen X cusp. Um, I think that and I'm not sure that's relevant here at all or not, but I think the way I read it was a joke about um, the kind of really wishy-washy, well-meaning multiculturalism of the 80s and 90s and how that has been a dismal failure, uh, you know, viewed decades later at actually collapsing any of the the hierarchies and brutalities that otherization produces. Um I thought that was just mostly a dark joke about that more than a commentary on becoming American. You know, at some point we should probably cheat and and watch one of his interviews. I bet we could get a hint out of it. Uh, I'm not I, so sure because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to say that one thing right. about this movie. I think he's very attuned to how people are going to try to reduce it to different things on Twitter particularly. And I think he is – one reason I like to not explaining things, Pete, is because I think he is actively fighting against reduction in this story. But please, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you you could make the case that he deliberately uh, in, inserted some gibberish. I mean, like you know, you know the 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 business under the stairs, or I keep calling it under the stairs, but you know the the area where all these people were stored, eating raw rabbits and bumping into each other, like it's very difficult to reduce it into anything. Um, in fact. If I were making this movie, which uh, nobody wants, no, like there's no possible way I could do justice to this film because it's still, despite my objections, is a good film. Um, I would cut that explanation entirely, like leave it that they were shadows or leave it that their origin is never truly defined. Like, you could still do something with the two of them switching roles. You could remove the the rabbit-eating basement feeling part of it entirely, and it would have an element of almost mysticism. And that's one of the things that I'm wondering about. Was that what uh, Jordan was, was flinching from? Did he insert this explanation so this wasn't, like somehow part of a of a of an alien powers plan. Ah, I mean, so this is actually again where I disagree with you because I think that if you take the sci-fi out, for instance, like if you if you uh, sorry, if you go the sci-fi route rather is what I'm trying to say and like if you went the took the cop out, what I would call a cop out of saying, "Oh, some alien force created this place." You lose the line which in which um the shadow character says, "Humans created this place." And what that is getting at for me is all of these other 
relations that we have, all of these brutal, brutal, but but now mundane and banal relations between people that we've created. These were cre- these were created systematically, but they are also reproduced over and over again. I think that like the reproduction, the point being that all of us in different ways, whatever role we occupy, are not just subject to these systems, but we're also through our actions reproducing them kind of helplessly, uh, which is very important to Marxist thought, for instance, is something that you see then in that scene when they fight and they mirror each other and it's the you know doppelgangers fighting and they mirror each other and they also mirror previous dances they've done and it's about the sort of cyclical reproduction of a system that had to be created but is then maintained by everyone within it. And I thought the explanation was just meant to give you enough to give you that and I'd also say something like the rabbits, for instance, like one of the lingering credit scenes when this movie opens after the flashback of her childhood uh, is, of course, yeah, the cages of rabbits. And you're zooming out on all these rabbits that we later learn are kind of in the subterranean place and they're used as food, I guess. And they're kind of just all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the rabbits are white. We, as we zoom out, we see one dark rabbit. And it's like, what do we, what do we make of that? Well... I think that again, that's a, that's a that's a subtle way of talking about collapsing the difference between others. Like the, the rabbits are just rabbits; one of them happens to be a different color. And I think I think what is so radical about this movie is the horror comes not from encountering something alien to you, which is the source of horror in Lovecraft. And by the way, it is relevant in this statement that Lovecraft was a raging racist who othered just about everyone. I mean, he othered people who were white and waspy like him but weren't just weren't fancy enough. I mean, he was a raging bigot racist as hierarchical as you can possibly get. And in Catholics, his stories— the Polish, you name it. Yeah, you name it. Right, totally. And in his system, the horror comes from encountering things that are completely alien, completely other. And in this story, the horror comes from the unsettling feeling— of having to confront the fact that there is no other, that we all we are all essentially the same, that we are all identified, that the most that the the identities that we have can, at least in theory, uh, you know, that if we live in different systems or if things have gone different in history or whatever, can be collapsed. That the other that that divide can collapse, and so that's why I love the ending because it's like, it's that we re- we see that it's been collapsed. And is that a bad thing or does it even matter? Or is it actually a triumph almost in the in the in the story of this movie? Do you see what I'm getting at there? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't even know if I agree with you or not, because like what I I mean, we may be thinking the same thing uh, because like what what I regarded as the horror here was the the uh, the feeling that the other was ourselves. Yeah, I, I think that's the same thing I'm saying is that. OK, that is an unsettling feeling. Yeah, right? sure. But I mean, I, I like I keep going back to the same thing, which was I never felt the conflict genuinely resolved. It doesn't show a way forward. The only thing that comes even close is the twist at the end, which just sort of reinfish, re uh, reemphasizes that we're all complicit and we're all the same people. But it doesn't it doesn't guide an answer. So. I agree that there's no resolution to the level of, like, what is this world plausibly going to look like after this? And I personally don't need that. That might just be a taste difference. Um, I I don't need to understand the logic of this world and how it's going to move forward. Is that something that you're saying is bothering you? Yeah, well, the thing is, given that this world is an allegory for this world, I care very much what what the director is trying to say in terms of where we move ahead from here. I mean, I think the closest thing you're going to get to that is just to say they're driving off and the distinction between 
you know, you and the other has been collapsed. And we just have to accept that that's, that's, that is the point. And that's sort of the, the brutal, I mean, if, if there's a, if there's another point beyond that, it's that like the process of that collapsing is, is brutal. It requires a sort of full scale revolution of sorts, a weird kind of revolution, a, a sort of Rococo strange speculative fiction kind of revolution, not a, you know, a horror movie revolution rather than a sci-fi one or a, you know, a historical one. But it, it I, I can, I think the implication is just that this world, that, that, that the goal is to make this world confront that collapsing of those distinctions. And I don't think, will it work? Probably not. You know, I mean, that's like I, I, the closest the closest analogy I can come up with for this with things I've seen and read would be a zombie story where obviously zombies upend everything. But obviously, if the, but if the old systems have any say whatsoever, any resources to do it, they will try to reestablish the previous order or a worse version of the previous order. <laughs> OK, Connor, question here. Who yeah. made a moral choice like a positive one in this film? Did uh, a positive moral choice or a moral choice? A, a positive moral choice. A choice to do something that is moral. I think the person with the most moral agency here, or by far, would be the doppelganger girl who initially kidnaps the other girl and comes up to the surface and sets all of this into well, and then her well, both of them. I guess I guess those two those two girls who become women later in the narrative. Um, both of them are making a diff, different kinds of moral choices. One of them is, you know, clawing her way to the surface and then settling up there and being comfortable with that exchange and saying, that's enough for me. I can drag someone else down. I can trade places with them. I'm good. It worked out for me. Um, that's one version of moral choice. I think it's closer to a moral choice that we actually, that many of us actually make. I don't think it's a positive choice, but it certainly is a moral decision. And then you have the revolutionary, the girl who's been exiled below and sets up this bizarre unsettling revolution. Um, the, the mass both murder have, spree. Yeah, they both have agency, right? They both have agency. And they both they both are doing things that could that be described suck as ass. Choice. Well, okay, but I mean, do we need good guys in this story? Like, I, you know. Yes, yes, we absolutely do. We're, we're dealing with a, cho- a, a, a scenario where everyone is acting terrible and it's building towards a cycle of death and destruction and that is never engaged with on the level of what the hell are we going to do about it? Like the the only thing that comes close is uh, like let us let us understand that we are them, but the killing doesn't stop. Like well, there's no, it's horrifying. It is horrifying, Pete. I agree, and and I think that what Peel is trying to do in both of those movies that I've seen, I interpret them as less being about creating a coherent narrative universe. I think Get Out is, is much more straightforward and conventional. But um, in both cases, I think that what I get out of it, at least, and this is where it becomes tricky about, like, who are you walking into the theater in these movies? But you're being transported to a kind of an, uns- an unsettling emotional space that is being inter- intricately constructed with narrative tools. So it's not, And it's also being constructed visually and orally, so it's, it's using all the tools of film. But... Get Out is immense, was immensely unsettling precisely because, for me at least, as a white person watching that movie, as many people have said, you, you have an easy time identifying with the white family who turns out to be, who slowly, agonizingly, are revealed to be these horrible monsters. But before they're even revealed to be that, their kind of awkward, seemingly beneficent <laughs> racial microaggressions are immensely unsettling for a lot of people watching that, right? And 
it's again, it's a more straightforward story. In this case, I think what he's trying to do is produce again a an ambiance, a set of feelings that are not again, it's not about resolving the, the narrative universe he's creating. It really is just about transporting you to a place where you are forced to imagine an encounter in an extended way. Not just the assertion that that you are the same as the other, but to have it demonstrated for you, blow by blow, slash by slash, um, beat by beat in the course of this movie. And I thought it did a tremendous job doing that. And again, when the ultimate source of the horror is not that you're encountering something alien to you, but that you are the same as the seemingly alien thing. Ah, it, it, I, I, what is so sublime about it is how unsettled it made me feel and I, to the point where I don't care what happens next. That's me, at least. I, I mean, we, we, we should have you now debate the you where we were talking about Butler, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I praised Butler. I just said it wasn't it, for me in the same way. That's, you know, that was unfair. That's true. That's true. Well, what I would say to this is that in Get Out, which is, it's certainly in my top 10. It's a, it's a sublime film. Um, in there, there was agency with positive moral choice, and there was a direction. And that direction is you got a shot at making it if you rely on yourself and with a little help from your friends. Like that was the hope, was that people were looking after each other, and that's how you're going to pull, your, you pull yourself forward. And there was yeah. no hope here. Yeah, and I think that Peel is resisting that. Very actively, I think he's resisting those conclusions in his prior work. That's my the- that's my thesis. I don't know that for sure, but I think what he's saying is he's saying some really interesting things about subjectivity and and, and selfhood. Um, obviously, we talked about a lot of the the collapsing the other relationship thing, but there's also just there's just a suggestion. I mean, I think he's really attacking some of our ideas about agency. Um, you know, that, that part of what produces your sense of self is necessarily, and this is not that far from Marx's thought or, or Hegelian thought, but it's like what necessarily produces your bourgeois sense of self or sense of self generally is sort of a, a necessary relationship where there is not in a literal sense a corresponding identical person out there who is suffering on your behalf. But it's like, sure. well, I, I think we can all dump the literal interpretation of the film. No problem. No, dude. yeah, sure. But I'm, I'm just saying that like it. What I keep coming back to is just that you have to, I think to understand this film and appreciate it, you have to you have to start to take a moment and say to yourself that I am daily asked to accept and that I do accept and that I, that I accept and that I help reify, that I help make possible. And not through any, again, it's not about my moral failings. It's just by existing in this society I make this possible. By That I help make possible a system in which I am surrounded every day by people who are pushed into an underclass Precisely so that I will not be an underclass. You know, like it is both sides of the coin. It is not that it's not even that therefore before the grace of God go I, although that is kind of in the movie because they do switch places, which is a profoundly weird act and a lot, you know, it's like that's the sort of catalyst for this whole thing, this whole system to explode, is that that did happen. But I think you have to take a step back and say, except for a moment that though we know who he got there historically, that is batshit insane. This is the movie that's able to name the insanity of that and to make it viscerally concrete and I kind of lost out of where I started out with this but I'm just trying to continue clarifying what I really mean here um because it is about it is about a visceral response as much as anything and I don't know Pete I I, I feel like I'm going in circles here but <laughs> it's okay well I mean what what it comes down to and I I apologize I'm not trying to put words in your mouth is that 
for you, the exposure of the wrong is enough. Like it's, it's done in a complex, daring way. And it's, it's done with a lot of thought. And for me, just exposing the wrong without grappling with a direction or a solution reduces or eliminates the stakes for me. Like if well, you're going to show me something horrible that's happened, do you realize how many horrible things that are happening right now? Yeah, I, mean, I but don't need that information. That's not quite what I'm saying. So I, again, I'm at the I'm at the boundaries of my. I'm frustrated with myself because I'm at the boundaries of my theoretical language. I don't want to say something stupid. But well, and fundamentally, neither one of us are film critics, which is a problem for this episode. I, it's a, in the language of film criticism. I'm I'm frustrated. That I don't have a better narrative vocabulary because I think I can only use very imprecise terms. But it's not. I, I want to be clear here. I am not talking about just naming the wrong. Naming the wrong is easy. Saying class society is unjust is easy. Saying racial hierarchies are unjust is easy. We all do it constantly. And part of what Peel is doing is critiquing the practice of just saying it, right? Because when these, partly because when these families are confronted, like when um, the main family is confronted, like, of course their response is going to be instantly, they're scared. But it's like, yeah, we, we feel bad for you. Like, of course, like they, they try that on them. It's like, of course we feel bad for you. This is horrible. Like, that's going to be a response, of course. But that's not important, right? And I guess- it's not just naming it. It is using the tools of narrative to make the viewer, to drag the viewer downward, so to speak, to that deep place, right? To drag them downward and to say, you, insofar as it's possible to live through this in, in a story that you're watching, you're going to be dragged down into it. You're going to have to viscerally experience the implications of this brutal divide. Uh, you're going to have to experience what it really means to be a system that reproduces the oppression of others precisely so that you will have the experiences that you will have and that you will and that you will participate in this and that it is this fine-tuned machine that is not about agency. That again, and get out, it is true that you can you can exercise some measure of agency to escape, and that is heartwarming. But the point is that I think Peel is, is being skeptical here of anyone's ability to use their agency to upend this. And this gets into the heart of sort of the genre fiction epic, where you do have a character who is able, through their willpower and their bravery and their moral force to upend this unjust world. And this movie is saying, that's not really going to happen, partly because I think they're, what they're staging in the end is there is this big uprising, but it leads to an act of protest, which we get the sense it's probably not going to work. At least I think it's not going to work. And again, yeah. it's not about agency. Well, that's, that's what I think is so At best, it's it. senseless. The, uh, the protest, mean? I mean. Oh. Yeah, I just want to nail home the point here. To me, that the point is, the lack of agency is kind of the whole point. There's no agency you can use in the system that he's articulating that he's dragging you through. And he's helping you see well, why that's the case. That's not true because the only there is agency displayed. And when you use it, it makes things worse for other people. Like the choices that were made were made. They just involve chaining somebody else to a coffee table or possibly to a bed. Right. But isn't the point that those choices are ineffectual and aren't going to solve the problem? The point also well, they solved them pretty pretty nicely for uh, Adelaide. Like, she got to go up to the sun and got a better shirt, and, and her food quality went way up. Okay, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point, though, is that, yes, it is possible for one person to claw their way out. I think that's, again, it's a commentary on class society. There's a reason right. that all the organs of propaganda are always telling us about the one person who did claw their way out and holding it up as superior, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's absolutely true. But I mean, like, like at, at this, on the one hand, we can't hold up and say, 
uh, agency is uh, is useless, and then demonstrate the ways it can do harm. Oh, I, so useless is putting it too too harshly. I I, I agree. I, I think that agency will not solve the deeper problems is a fair statement. And it's something that I've thought a lot about in my writing life because I think that we're in a moment where if you're going to have these genre epics, you have to confront – if you're being honest with yourself, you're not just writing pulp. You have to be able to confront what does it mean to live in a world where everyone wants the brave hero to be able to upend the whole unjust equation and to then also realize that's not how it works. And I think this is a movie that takes that very seriously. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it because like given a choice, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be Sisyphus with the rock. Like I, the, the whole idea of the, of going through a movie, exposing a problem that, that, uh, that steps away from the idea of personal moral choice. Uh, I mean, it, it, it didn't hit my buttons. I'll be honest. I, I, I think it's the wrong path. Well, it's the deep, it's what we were saying the last time with Skeltsy. It is kind of the deep conundrum in, in this kind of storytelling. Is again, story. what is interesting about storytelling is letting characters make moral choices that tell us about who they are as characters, that do affect their world, et cetera, et cetera. I agree with you. And I don't think, again, I also agree that this movie is not fully lacking that. I just think that the frustration of how it works is part of the other point, which is that you have to take all of that that we know about storytelling and say, all right, how do we actually use narrative rules to confront some of these deeper structures? And it's very hard. I guess, I guess I'm guess i partly respecting the difficulty of it, and why I think Peel succeeded is in creating a narrative that does take seriously the perhaps inherent contradiction between how stories are supposed to work and your ability to use stories to actually describe, to carry us through, perhaps to even ameliorate some of these things, I think he is doing. He's created something that takes very seriously. That may not be able to happen, and that the that is a very painful contradiction to encounter and work through. And I thought that watching him work it through, work through it was very interesting. And you're saying that you just found it frustrating. I think is that fair? Well, I mean, what I'm what I'm saying is shit. If there's no hope, why tell anyone? I, I don't think that Peel person. I don't. I don't know what he believes personally. I don't think this movie shows a a lack of belief. I, I don't know if it shows a lack of hope per se. Uh, I think oh, it that's just... exactly what it does, man. <laughs> like nobody ever accomplishes anything except the expense of another person, and they all walk out in the sunset into like a like a shit fest. It's terrible, and like I say this with a tremendous amount of respect for him, but I just like if what you were saying is dead on and based upon this conversation, I think it might be. Uh, I think it's appalling. I mean, like, I, w- I would rather try and fail, and I would certainly rather to encourage people to try and fail than, than to say, well, once you get a good, good grasp of the problem, you're more, realize your moral choices are going to be ineffective in grappling with this. Yeah, well, so one thing I'll say, uh, he's, he is arguably, if you take that read of the film, then arguably he'd be situating himself in the tradition of what others have called Afro-pessimism, which is like certain writings of Tana nehisi Coates, uh, Colson Whitehead, who I've mentioned before on this podcast, is someone who has been grouped in this category by others, and there are other writers and artists out there, uh, basically of, of taking an incredibly pessimistic stance towards the way that, that race functions in society, in American society in particular, and how you know ameliorating it may not be something that we can even 
feasibly do. Essentially, I'm, I'm kind of not doing justice to the tradition, but that is that is a live tradition in our culture. And I'm not sure I see this movie as fitting into that. I think that there's a strong argument that it could, and I think that's where you're right. Um, you know, but again, I don't see this as just being about race. That's one of the reasons I don't necessarily want to put it in that category. I, sure. I just think it's very complicated and it defies reduction, but it fundamentally is about the implications of otherness and what it would mean to collapse that distinction. And oh, I just thought it made some really radical choices that I don't feel that I've seen. And I'm a little bit embarrassed, folks, as we reach the end here that I monologued for like eight minutes at the start. It was probably kind of confusing and rambling. I'm sorry. It's just hard for me to describe what I like about this movie. I feel like my vocabulary fails me when I do it. Well, one of the things that is sort of unfair between us going through this this film is that I am advocating for the negative. And that is easy. It's very easy to give uh, like clear, uh, aggressive descriptions of why something doesn't work. Just about anybody can do that. But you are trying to reinforce the world he's describing, and that's a much harder thing to do. Well, thank you, first of all. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, it, it is always easier to be to be negative about storytelling, for sure. Um, I... Uh, I encourage everyone to see this movie if you haven't. If you, if you got this far with all the spoilers, sorry. But... Uh, I, Seconded. Yeah, well, it's. I would say a couple of things at the end. It's a very visually interesting movie. Um, it's. It's also. It's a movie that I think he learned a lot from. Do get out. I think he's grown as a writer and director. And I think it's a really shining example of someone who had a breakout hit that was interesting on its own terms, and was then allowed a lot of latitude and freedom to, to pursue something really cool that is not like what you'd see in theaters otherwise. Um, and that made it cause something to celebrate for me as well. Oh yeah, like uh, the film industry is getting a narrower and narrower focus on some things that are okay. But uh, Jordan Peele's going off on his own, and that's fantastic. Like, I, I would, I am very grateful that his career is going in the direction he, he it is. And even though this wasn't my favorite film by him, I, it's not to imply that it isn't a good film. If you point blank ask me, should I watch this film? The answer would be yes. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone should see it. I think it's a very interesting, I think it's an important movie. I can see thinking that it's not. Um, there are a lot of diverging opinions about this movie, but, you know, you know how I feel. I think it's phenomenal. I doubt I'll see a better one this year. I think it's one I'll go back to. Um, and I guess we should probably leave it there. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Thanks.